Welcome to the Legally Bliss podcast. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, dress at the office, balance our families with work, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys and how they've proactively chosen to do career and life differently. The ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms and not what society or big law has prescribed for them. We'll learn from these women how to deeply question the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll impact the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated to inspire you. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Legally Bliss Conversations Conference Room, which is a regular roundtable where women lawyers get together and we discuss impactful subject matters that we think will help our audience better navigate life and law. My name is Susie Hickson, and I'm a trademark attorney and the founder of the Legally Bliss community. After having practiced for about 20 years in both big law and now with my own boutique practice, I've worked with a lot of lawyers and I have many women lawyer friends. I've learned that while women lawyers are incredible advocates for others, they seem to not always be great self-advocates. Hence, the Legally Bliss community was developed to give women lawyers a platform to network and collaborate and support each other, all while learning and integrating the Bliss method to become more fierce and powerful self-advocates, not just for others, but for themselves. So Bliss is an acronym for boundary setting, leveraging AI and legal tech. The I is for integrating creativity. S is for self-confidence. And the other S, of course, is for seeking support in community, which is exactly why the Legally Bliss community exists. And today I'm so excited to welcome my friends today to, um, to talk about something that I think is really important, and that is how we navigate imposter syndrome. So I'm really excited to welcome Danielle Bass, Amy Gardner, and Marissa Simmons. And I would love to give each of you all um, a few minutes to introduce yourself and let us know what you're working on today. So I'll start with, uh, we'll go in alphabetical order. So let's start with Danielle. Hi, I'm Danielle Bass. I am a partner at Honigman, where I focus my practice on technology transactions. So I help companies and people develop, license, and sell intellectual property, information technology, data, a ton in the digital media space, digital health, and fintech. In my spare time, I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Michigan Law School, where I teach a technology transactions course uh, and a class on transactional drafting. And just last week, I finished a quarter at the University of Chicago uh, teaching a class on technology transactions. Guys, Danielle's kind of smart if you haven't already figured this out. <laughs> at least I fake it, as we'll talk about. <laughs> we'll talk about that, right? Um, let's see. So I need to work on my alphabetical order skills, but I was going by last name. So just to clarify. So we'll go with um, Amy Gardner. Tell us a little bit about you and what you're working on. 
Sure. So I am a former big law associate as well and was a partner in a mid-sized law firm here in Chicago and then was the dean of students at the University of Chicago Law School for a long time before leaving. And my husband and I co-founded Apochromatic and about seven years ago or so. And we do team and leadership development in law firms and corporations. And then we do lawyer career development and transition coaching one-on-one and then in small group attorney masterminds as well. Um, when you asked what we were working on, I, I looked at my my planner, which is always present. And on my list today, um, we have a um, an intensive with the general counsel tomorrow who is looking to um, change roles. We have an executive forum next week for executives where we bring executives together about once a month to discuss um, a topic. And there's one next week. Um, we have a team and leadership development workshop for an international team at a Fortune 100 company. Um, a business development strategy day next week for lawyers working on um, developing um, his book of business. And then I'm working on a series of webinars for June for lawyers um, with different lawyers talking about their career paths. So kind of a wide variety of things that we're giving, working on at any given time, but it, it's a great variety that keeps it fun. It sounds interesting and fun. There's a lot going on there. And I know that you work with a lot of lawyers as does uh, Danielle Marissa. And I'm so, I'm sure you have got some <laughs> imposter syndrome uh, stories <laughs> for us. Yes, yes. Welcome and thank you so much for being here. So Marissa. Hello, I am Marissa Simmons. Um, I am a former practicing attorney um, and now attorney recruiter. I work um, I'm with Beacon Hill Legal. I cover the Southeast. I work with a group of incredible, mostly also former lawyers. Um, and we place attorneys in law firms and companies uh, throughout the Southeast. Beacon Hill, though, is national, so we're all over the country. Um, I practiced for six years, and um, I was a bankruptcy attorney first. I graduated law school in 2008, so uh, it was bankruptcy or another job entirely, not legal. Um, so, and I was actually in my office with a client in the office when I, pa when I found out I passed the bar. Um, so if you want to talk about um, imposter syndrome, it was big. Um, I've got plenty. I want to hear. I want to hear that. Yeah, that was interesting. But um, but yeah, I've been recruiting now for nine years and I love it. And I'm working right now. We just took a new um, an interesting position with an in-house uh, a charitable organization, actually, in Atlanta um, for a tax council, which I don't often work on tax council in-house positions. So um, that's our newest challenge today. Challenge just can be fun, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you all for being here, Marissa. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have all of you here to contribute to this conversation. And as you all know, this roundtable is really a safe space for us to openly discuss um, and shed light on a pervasive issue that I think affects many women professionals, especially those in the legal field, and that's imposter syndrome. And our main theme in May in the Legally Bliss community is self-confidence. And today I want us to talk about um, how uh, imposter syndrome can undermine our self-confidence and how we um, go about addressing it and hopefully overcoming it um, so that we can ultimately bolster our self-confidence and really thrive in our um, profession. So 
with respect to imposter syndrome, like I didn't really, I didn't know what it was until someone said something about imposter syndrome. And I was like, Hey, I have that. Like, right. It just like when they talked about it, it resonated kind of immediately with me. I didn't know that I had experienced it until I'd heard someone talking about it till they actually put a name on it. So I looked it up and this is some information that I found about it found out about it. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern where individuals doubt their accomplishments and fear being exposed as a fraud, despite clear and compelling evidence of not just competence, but also great successes. And it can manifest as feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt and an inability to internalize success. So the purpose of today's roundtable is not only to highlight the prevalence of imposter syndrome amongst um, women and women lawyers, but I really want us to talk about some strategies that um, we can leave our listeners with to help them combat it. I really think that sharing our personal experiences and, and kind of our coping mechanisms, um, by doing that, we can really um, create a supportive community and really lessen the stigma around um, this issue and help us tackle it head on. So I would really love to hear your personal experiences first off, where you've experienced it, where you've seen it in the workplace, perhaps with your clients. And let's start with Marissa, because you, you mentioned um, sitting with a client, right, after you found out that you had passed the bar. So start with you. Yeah, um, I didn't take a single bankruptcy class in all of law school. Like it was not what I was going to do. So I took that first job and all I knew about it was how to spell it. And I was getting up asking my boss questions like all day, every day. Thank goodness. That was back in the days of um, never been hearing of remote work. Um, so everyone was right there for me to ask questions, but I was constantly asking questions and um, you know, as time went on, I was asking fewer and fewer, but all I felt like I was doing was just asking questions and not able to answer anything myself. And um, I was a 25 year old, you know, not even lawyer at the start of it and then baby lawyer. Um, and I did it for six years, but, um, and I was in consumer bankruptcy. This was 2008, 2009, 2010. Human beings were filing bankruptcy. Families, husbands and wives were filing bankruptcy um, because someone had lost a job or because both of them had lost a job or because their um, adjustable rate on their mortgage adjusted and they couldn't afford it. And salaries were terrible and hourly pay was terrible and there weren't jobs and people couldn't pay their debts. And um, the majority of our clients at that time were people who were directly impacted by the um, by the market crash. And I was 25 years old um, and they were looking to me for answers and for help in the absolute lowest point in their lives. Um, certainly lowest financial point, but for many of them, their absolute lowest point in their lives. Um, and for a lot of them, it was entirely out of their control. Um and uh, it it was, you know, the saying, fake it till you make it. I'm sure we'll say that a couple of times today. But, you know, I think it was good that I was wearing professional clothes, if not a full suit every single day, because it kind of gets you in the mindset of being a professional, looking like a professional, even if you don't feel like one in your head. Um, something that I learned I realize now was a coping mechanism and a way to help myself get through it, which I started doing just naturally because it felt 
normal to me. I'm kind of a, um, I'll just go on and on forever if someone lets me. And so I have found though that being very truthful and honest with people upfront about things when I don't know something, um, when I got into recruiting and my only legal background was bankruptcy and I was talking to IP lawyers and employment lawyers and people who know ERISA, which is still, I don't know, you know, all of these areas that I don't know, something um, that I've learned is um, a good way to deal with that is to get out in front of it and just tell people and be honest, this is not my practice area. This isn't something that I know. This isn't something I've experienced, whatever it is. Walk me through it. Explain your side of it like you're talking to a kindergartner. And that way I get educated. They understand where I'm coming from up front. And I don't have to feel like I'm faking it because I'm not. I'm being totally honest about it. And then people are very sympathetic and kind about that. And um, we'll tell you about what they do or we'll explain to you um, in basic terms. And when you're truthful about what you don't know or your sh- what you may perceive as a shortcoming or whatever it may be, um, I think it builds trust with people because then they know that you're willing to tell them things that show your own weaknesses. Um, and so they know that you'll be honest with them in other situations. And so that's really good for building relationships, learning things, um, you know, being able to have closer um, and more open relationships um, with people, with your clients, with whoever it is. I know that you do work with a lot of lawyers in recruiting. Do you see a lot of imposter syndrome amongst those clients that you work with? And do you, if so, do you notice a difference uh, between men and women? I would say that um, by the time I'm working with an attorney, most of them are experienced a couple of years in. And so I think are mostly past that point. Um, I do like volunteer with my law school. I'll go back and help with mock interviews and things like that. Um, And it is something that I think I talk to students about more is you know, it is okay to fake it till you make it. It's okay to pretend that you're confident. Um, Don't be like, a jerk about it. Um, but showing confidence, even if you don't feel it, will help you get to that confidence. It's like having the suit on, having, you know, looking a certain way. It helps you be be that. You're kind of putting it out into the world and it, it helps you fill the shoes that you're wearing. Dress for the job you want, right? Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, I know that you work with a work with a lot of young, uh, kind of aspiring lawyers um, as a professor. I would love to know sort of what you're seeing amongst um, those students at at Michigan and Chicago too. Yeah. So I think as lawyers and as just law students in general, we are type A perfectionist, just wired to succeed. And the idea of not hitting all of the marks is extremely um, overwhelming and disappointing. And so I think learning or giving students the space to prepare for their careers in the same way a doctor gets an internship and gets to like, you know, have the opportunity to like do rounds, see patients, do all of those things is the type of thing that I try to provide my students so that they can like make mistakes in a safe space where they don't feel like their job's going to be on the line um, or, you know, the, the perpetual just like domino effect is going to happen. Um, giving students, I think a lot of students feel 
like there's a lot of pressure on them to perform. And so giving them the tools, like a mindset of this is a practice of law, like we're going to make mistakes and that's going to be okay. Like I, you know, even as a, you know, eighth year, as much as I don't like to admit it to my husband, make mistakes. And like that happens and I learn from it. And when I do it in front of a client, like when you own up to making those mistakes, you know, just like you said, like it makes you human. It makes you relatable. It makes them trust you because if you're willing to call yourself out on the things that you might not be right about all the time, um, you know, you, you, you earn kind of the respect. And so um, I think students need that kind of opportunity as well. Um, I know that like, I, so I have a five-year-old and, you know, I, I'm all about reading all of the books and, the way that uh, your parents talk to you becomes the way that you talk to yourself as an adult. And so one of the things that I'm always trying to do is to encourage her that, you know, you can do anything that your you know mind brings you to, you have to put the work in. And so learning kind of to retrain my own self-talk of like, I am capable, I can do this, like, you know, putting in all of that work and teaching my students that like you can like retrain your brain to do that equally as important. Um, those are the types of things. I mean, I don't think, I think anybody that's just like out there assuming that, you know, they're an A plus superstar every single day. I, I, I can't imagine that's a hundred. Did we lose Danielle? I lost her. <laughs> we'll go to Amy. Hopefully she'll come back. She's not good <laughs> it's, it's funny, as Danielle, <laughs> as Danielle was talking, I was thinking about, I'm on the Illinois Committee on Character and Fitness, and um, we just had a workshop yesterday about depression, anxiety, mental health issues among law students and lawyers. And so many of the common attributes among law students and among lawyers that we're talking about in terms of the imposter syndrome can lead to larger mental health issues as well. So it's really perfect that May being Mental Health Month, we're having this this conversation right now. You know, I, I often think of um, the imposter syndrome or a lack of self-confidence as something that holds you back from raising your hand. So you don't raise your hand to apply for the job because you don't check 110% of the boxes they think they're going to require or want. You don't um, raise your hand to ask for the business, right? You, you end up in the friend zone with people who are in-house and can give you business and don't actually ask um, for the business. And we see this also with teams that we work in, in law firms and corporations where people hold themselves back from saying, uh, I think there's a problem here or saying, hey, I think I can solve this problem, right? And so I think it can, um, in a variety of ways, it can really um, uh, be, a, be career limiting for people. Um, one thing that I, I think is interesting is you had mentioned about the difference between men and women. And I saw some research not too long ago that showed that um, the, the prevalence among men and women is actually a roughly the same, even though we often hear about the imposter syndrome in terms of women, but that um, it can be and have much more severe consequences um, for people who are not the majority, right? So in law firms, obviously the, not obviously, but the situation now is that um, more of the partners are white. And so for people who are not white, then it can have um, more um, harmful repercussions. And so I do think that there are definitely aspects of the imposter syndrome that can vary, um, but it is in terms of gender, um, it is relatively equal. Um, 
Interesting. In terms of affecting people. So have you experienced, and when you were a younger lawyer, did you experience imposter syndrome? Oh, sure. I mean, I, um, so when I was a law student, I actually, it's sort of a long story, but the short version, shorter version is that I thought the reason I got admitted to the University of Chicago Law School was because I was from Iowa. And because I thought that, um, I, and I literally thought that until I went back to be the Dean of Students. And when I was the Dean of Students, I had occasion, also a long story, to see my law school application, where I literally opened up a drawer and was like, <laughs> look at that. And I saw the notes on my file, right? Because it was in the olden days when things were on paper. Um, and so I saw the notes on my file. And the fact I was from Iowa actually had nothing to do with why I was admitted. And I remember in that moment, the registrar standing there and I'm in this file room. And I remember thinking like, why didn't anybody tell me this? Right? Because all along I thought, well, they needed somebody from Iowa. And I had actually asked the Dean of Students why I was admitted before exams one night. We were all huddled around free Domino's pizza. And um, he actually, he'd been the, the Dean of Admissions and he, he looked at me and he said, well, I'm sure I had a reason. <laughs> Not the most reassuring thing to say, right? And so um, that thought though, so many times I thought like, ooh, I squeaked in here. I squeaked into Skadden. I squeaked in making partner, all these sorts of things. And so um, it's funny the stories we tell ourselves about what something means or you know, what a look means or an email means or a decision by somebody else means um, when we really have no idea. And it can end up really limiting our choices and, and how we feel about ourselves um, going forward. And, Although I can't say that as a dean of students, then when people came to me saying I shouldn't have gotten admitted, I can't believe this, I was much more, um, uh, I'd say, responsive and supportive and encouraging than that dean of admissions had been for me. Right. You were like, oh, it was obviously because you were just from Iowa, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not do that. I, I often told them that admissions did not make mistakes. So that was usually my general well, I like that. I really like that because you're not really going into their specific qualities, right? You're just saying, we, we selected you for law school for a very specific reason right. that like, isn't just some like random thing, like, oh, she happens to be from Iowa or whatever. Right. Uh, right. That's, that's really cool. I think I'm going to give you like an A plus on that kind of response. I think that's <laughs> Yeah. I noticed, um, I experienced a lot of just imposter syndrome as a young lawyer, like, you know, right out. And I was kind of always making excuses for why I got the job. Right. It's like, Oh, well, it was just because of X, Y, Z. Um, and that's kind of how I noticed myself, you know, kind of talking negatively about my own self. So I think that the imposter syndrome really ties in closely with self-deprecating, um, talk. Mm -hmm. And it also, you know, it does tie in, I think, closely with anxiety and depression. And, and imposter syndrome itself is not a mental health disorder, but I think that there is some type of, you know, one can perhaps exacerbate the other. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for giving me sort of kind of your, your experiences with, um, you know, people that you work with, with, with respect to imposter syndrome. And I would love to talk a little bit about kind of how we tackle it, right? I know that we've hit, we've all kind of hit on a few things like mindset, but I would love to know um, how you personally tackle it. And if you're working with anyone that you've experienced or that, that you've observed 
um, experience it, if kind of how you would go about working with them. We'll start with um, Danielle because yes, <laughs> we so you a minute ago. If you have anything that you want to wrap up, I would love yeah. to hear it. So I'll tell a really quick story of how I almost was never a lawyer. Um, so Michigan law rejected me three times um, because there was this uh, program where you didn't have to take the LSAT and it was only for Michigan students. They were trying to determine if you were, uh, if, if the LSAT was determined of your success and they would, you know, get to interview you throughout law school. And I thought, oh my God, this is perfect for me. I'm a horrible test taker. I'm, I'm going to get in through this program. I, you know, had the GPA and all the recommendations and I got rejected. And so I had to take the LSAT three weeks later and I completely bombed it. And then I didn't get in early admission and then regular decision. And I thought I was not meant to be a lawyer if I wasn't good enough to get into Michigan. I was definitely not good enough to, to be a lawyer. Um, long story short, I went to Wayne State, which is a, you know, a regional school. I four pointed. And then I didn't even tell my parents that I was applying as a transfer student to go to Michigan. And when I got in, I thought, wow, like I'm not good enough to go to Michigan, even though I had gotten the transfer app uh, in and, and I had sat with it for a really, really long time of like, is this for me? And even in my like first few semesters, I was not certain that I was going to even be successful at Michigan. And I ended up graduating order the coif and my husband, uh, you can't, I'm not sure if you can see it here, but I have my rejection letter next to my <laughs> order of the coif um, acknowledgement because he wanted to remind me and he wanted a symbol for my daughter that even if you get a no, it doesn't mean that you won't get a yes eventually. And having a good support system and having people who have your back and who have your team and know who exactly you are and are going to like help build you up to the person you want to be, I think is par none the type of support system that you might need for anyone suffering from imposter syndrome. In the, de in the days where I'm like, I'm not a good mom, I'm not a good lawyer, I'm not a good teacher, having somebody in your backyard, in your house, in your bed, wherever, that is going to love you and support you is amazing. Um, I also ask all of those, by the way. So there, that's well, you know. <laughs> what do you say? So I think you're pretty kick-ass at all of those things, though. Well, so. thank you. <laughs> um, and 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 you know what? Having having people that say that is good. And I'm a my love language is word of affirmation. And so I keep a folder of what I call like wins. So every time I get an email from a client or from you know a student or whatever that like gives me that warm hug, good feeling, I put it into a certain folder. And on the days where I am feeling just not great. It's my kind of just like ego stroking that I need for that moment. Um, and I think that that's been incredibly helpful for me. Um, and I always try to be that support system, that voice, that extra kind of, you know, nudge or assurance when I see it happening. I had a associate in my office just Monday who like sent an email with the wrong red line. And I was like, you are going to be fine. This is not a big deal. This feels so big to you. You're a great attorney everything's going to be okay. And I know that that quelled that just feeling of just overwhelm and like, I'm not good enough. Like this is my, you know, this is the downfall. Um, and so looking for those opportunities and trying to be that voice when I can. Thank God for you. I mean, I didn't have that experience as a young lawyer, you know, when I made a mistake, there was no really safe space to make mistakes. And maybe that's something, you know, 
firms really need to work on um, that for those first couple of years out, right? Just like a doctor does rounds, you know, maybe they firms need to give a little more grace for their new their new lawyers. And, you know, I'm sure, Danielle, you know, thank you for that amazing internship, uh, mentorship that you're doing with these young, young attorneys um, and even law school students. I'm sure that you are going to be changing so many lives. Um, awesome. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, Amy. So the question was, we were kind of talking about um, like, what, what are your, like when you're, when you're feeling imposter syndrome, like for yourself or you're seeing it with one of your clients, like how do you have any kind of tools or tips or resources or strategies for helping them navigate that or helping yourself navigate it? Sure. So um, I had an experience with a partner um, when I was in big law who once pulled out a ruler to show me that um, the very truly yours and the date were one tab off. And it was actually a problem in the template in the word perfect template back in those days. But he pulled out this ruler and he said, we are going for perfection here. And this is not perfection. And I often think of that story. He actually is a lovely human being and a very good lawyer. But in that moment, um, not maybe not. Um, but I think of it that often because there are times where we are going for perfection. Right. But in the day to day, most. Right. Right. But on the day to day, like a lot of things. Right. A lot of things we're doing do not require perfection. Right. And so I think that that can be helpful too, to think through like, does this actually require perfection or does this require done? And that I think can be helpful to remember that um, if you're feeling like I am not up to doing this, you know, as, as well as it could be done in a hypothetical world, well, maybe that's not really what the situation requires. Um, I also, like Danielle, um, always recommend that people have a, a drawer or a folder of awesome of you know, where they've gotten the, the kudos. Um, I actually have a, a I, I have an office at home and we have offices um, where I am now. And in both of those, I have a, um, a box of emails and you know, mm. things like that, um, that, that always help you feel good. And for me, I don't ever look open the boxes, but I know that they're there and that can be great. Um, I, I think that hearing stories of others who have done the thing that you think you may not be ready to do can be really helpful. Um, that actually, I mentioned we're doing these webinars in June and we're having lawyers talk about things like how I built a book of business, how I moved from a law firm to in-house, um, how I moved to a higher ed role, how I got into data privacy, things like that, that I think we often think, oh, you have to have be an XYZ person to do that, or you have to have this thing I don't have to do that. And I think Hearing from lawyers who've done the thing that you think you're not ready for can be really um, helpful. And then um, the final one I wanted to suggest is probably my favorite, which is yet. And the idea is that you tell yourself yet. So if you say, there is no way I can pull off that oral argument, instead you say, there's no way I can pull off that oral argument yet. And that can be really helpful if you're supervising people who are struggling with the imposter syndrome who you ask them to do something and they say, oh, I don't know how to do that. So instead of you taking the project back from them, you say, ah, you don't know how to do that yet. And that puts you both in the growth mindset in terms of how are we going to help this lawyer be ready to do that thing rather than, ah, oh, okay, they don't know how, I'll just do it myself. So I think it's yet can more, be a really helpful strategy. More, yeah, I love that because it's more um, tangible than just saying, oh yeah, I've got this 
right? Like, even though we, we do want to have that positive mindset and positive self-talk and it really helps, sometimes that type of language is just not realistic, right? But if we mm-hmm. say yet, like, I don't know how to do it yet, right? That yeah. kind of, it's realist. It's more realistic. It's like something that someone can actually believe and wrap their mind around. Yeah, I think, I think that comes from uh, uh, Angela Duckworth. Um, but exactly, I think that it just, it really changes the way you're thinking about things in terms of um, what you're up for, ready to, what you need to be able to be successful. You don't have to know this moment because you're not there yet, but you will, right? you and will you can be. get there. I love that. Marissa, what about you? Any resources or tips for um, people who are kind of navigating the challenges of imposter syndrome? Um, my dad always said when I was taking exams to remember that dumber that people than you have done this and succeeded. <laughs> Um, which is a pretty crass way of putting it, but, um, has worked a million times for me, including taking the bar exam, um, as well as plenty of other, uh, things that I've done where I, you know, kind of like, yet I haven't done it yet. It's just very empowering. Like, you know, plenty of other people have done this. They weren't all smarter than me. You know, um, I can do this. It's okay. It's part of the positive self-talk. And um, that has helped me a lot as well as, like I was saying before, the honesty, um, you know, being just direct and clear with people, you know, where, what point you're at. Um, if they're going to help, they'll, they'll help. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh it's like setting expectations, I guess, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so useful in so many it, for so many different things. And I think the same with feeling like you're in the wrong place. Just set other people's expectations. You're there. You actually are there for a reason. Like when you get into law school or when you get the job and you feel like I didn't check all of the boxes or um, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, Susie, actually, I think with, um, salary negotiations and how women don't talk themselves up enough in salary negotiations. And part of it is that we see this job description and we think I check X boxes and not Y boxes or whatever you're there for a reason. So that, you know, get that stuff out of your head. This is whatever it is, is a learning opportunity for you. Everything is a learning opportunity, a building opportunity, a growing opportunity. So, you know, if you approach everything as I always have something to get from this, I, I always have something to learn or be coached, even if, when you're in, you know, you go back to law school and volunteer or teach, you know, they have things to teach you too. Um, it, 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 none of it flows one direction only. So there's always opportunities for growth. And if you look at it that way and kind of put yourself in that mindset that we're all here to, to get something, to learn something, um, you know, to broaden our experiences of things. Um, we're all here for, for that reason. And that's, I mean, not, that's not a, a disempowered position to be in. No, not at, not at all. I was going to say, I bet Danielle could give examples of what she's learned from her, from her students, right? Because oh. it, it, it can be a two-way street. I, my, my favorite saying is like the teacher becomes the student. Like there is never a class where a student doesn't challenge me. Like when I, I teach a two hour class and my husband always says like, you're so tired the days after you teach. And I am like 
energetically depleted because they have taken like, you know, they challenge me in ways that I haven't been challenged. And, it, and honestly, it makes me a better lawyer every single time because it makes me reevaluate my own practice. And it makes me have to answer the question of why. And a lot of the times, like, I have not thought about that. And um, I, I totally, totally echo what you were saying, Marissa, like, you know, taking every single opportunity as a learning experience and of like, how am I going to talk about this, you know, challenge or whatever it is, or this failure or this, you know, whatever in the future as a win um, helps reorient your mind just a little bit. Yeah, I think this is something we've talked about um, in a previous roundtable, just about navigating failure and how maybe failure doesn't even really exist if you have the proper mindset around it. Um, if you can take that failure and, you know, ask yourself, how can I, what can I learn out of this, right? How can I improve? And by doing that, um, it's, it's not even, maybe it's not even really, maybe it's not even really a failure, what is that so quote? The, uh, it's failures of just a data point. Um, yeah, that's true. A whole to remember. It's, yeah, I think that's that's very true. Um, I think you know the the I have some notes here about things I think about when it comes to kind of imposter syndrome and navigating it. Um, I think it's really important. I think that this kind of sums up what Danielle was saying, like the importance of mentorship. Um, we've all kind of talked about that, the mindset um, and how having mindset shifts around how we talk to ourselves or how we approach a particular challenge, um, the, re the reframing, the adding the word like yet, um, you know, things like that can be really helpful for the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are similar to you, of course, different is good as well, but maybe people who are, um, you know, in a similar level of their legal career could be really helpful because that way you're, you realize that like, you're not, you, you're unique, but we're all kind of navigating the challenges of being uh, not just young lawyers, but also professionals. And the other thing I wanted to mention is don't discount the importance of counseling or therapy. Because even though um, imposter syndrome isn't, like I said, a, a recognized psychiatric disorder, um, it does have symptoms that can overlap with, with um, anxiety and depression. So a counselor or therapist can really help you with things like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of similar to that mindset work. It's very similar. So, you know, at the end of the day, there really is no one size fits all solution to overcoming imposter syndrome and what works for one person might work, might not work for someone else. So I think it's really important for us to look at different strategies um, and resources and just kind of figure out um, what works best for us because, you know, we want to thrive in the legal profession or whatever our profession is. And imposter syndrome, unfortunately, um, is one of those things I do feel like holds us back a little bit in terms of personal and professional growth. And my hope is that sharing our experiences, our practical tips um, will help others kind of manage and maybe even overcome, if that's even possible, um, imposter syndrome on their own personal journeys. So I would love to get one, two more things from each of you. 
one just nugget of wisdom and where people can find you online if they want to reach out to you. Should we go backwards? We'll go with, we'll go with Marissa. <laughs> okay. Um, a nugget. Um, I would say what my dad says, dumber people than you have done this. You can do it too. We all passed the same bar exam. Um, you can do it too. Um, I, I think just remember that there's probably other people in the room with you. Um, you you'll be fine. Um, where I can you find you? Really hmm? I think it's really cute that you've got like, you went up to your dad and you've expressed these feelings to him, right? Like you clearly <laughs> expressed self doubt. Right. And I just think it's interesting to see how our elders, you know, kind of help us try to navigate these types of things. Yeah. Oh, yes. My father would spouts of wisdom. Um, he should join us next time. He'll <laughs> uh, never shut up. You can't. It can't It'll be done. Um, where can you find me? I am LinkedIn is my professional uh, social media of choice. Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A. -S -S -A. So it's right there. You can see it. Marissa Simmons. <laughs> Um, I, the picture is extremely recent. So this is actually what I look like in my picture. Um, that's the best place to find me or I'm on the Beacon Hill website. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for being here, Marissa and contributing, um, your, your brilliance. I always love seeing your face and talking with you. Thank you so much. So we'll go with Amy. Um, so I, I'm not going to quote Marissa's dad, but I am going to share a line that um, Michael Hyatt, who's a, been a mentor to me, um, often says, you've made it through 100% of your hard days so far. Ah, look at that. Um, full focus planner team. Um, and so I think that's really helpful to remember that even if a day is super hard, there's probably a day you've had that's harder and you made it through that. So like, odds are you're going to make it through this. Um, and then in terms of where to find me, um, like Marissa, I'm on LinkedIn, but there are many Amy Gardners. So you have to look for Amy M. Gardner um, okay. because there are actually some other Amy Gardners who are even coaches. And I've met another Amy Gardner. Anyway, so um, Amy M. Gardner on LinkedIn. And then if you're interested in um, just getting on the list for information about those free webinars we're doing in June on different career paths and how to build a book and all that, um, you can just go to futureandfocus2023.com slash summer. And then you'll get the email once we have everything um, nailed down for that. Okay, Amy, will you send me that link um, afterwards or sure. sometime in the next day or two? And sure. I'll make sure that I put it in the description. Great, thank in you. The, in the YouTube and the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. I've This has been your first round table and I loved having you on here. So we'll have to, thank you. We'll have to talk about our full focus planner love at some point. Yes, yes, that'd be great. <laughs> and I too am a fan of Michael Hyatt. So, um, Danielle, thank you. Let's uh, tell us um, kind of your final wisdom bomb and where people can find you. Yeah, so I'll round it out and give you a full hippy dippy. I'm a big yogi, and this is this is kind of my two cents. So, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Whatever you're doing in this moment is part of your journey, and it's going to be just part of the story you tell one day. And so live it, embrace it, and then you get to make choices about what happens afterwards. Um, that's kind of how I've approached my life and my career. Um, and it's turned out okay so far. 
Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think I'm the only Danielle Bass. Uh, I know there's a doctor in Chicago, and so I'm not a doctor. Um, or you can find me on the Honigman website or the University of Michigan Law School website. Um, always happy to chat um, about all things. Danielle, thank you so much for being here and also sharing your brilliance. And, um, you know, just thank you so much for just everything that you give to the community and to young to young lawyers. I reached out to Danielle last week to for some help on something and she boom, 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 responded to me with some resources. And so I, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that you hung out um, with us today. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks so there we are. It's, that's our uh, talk about imposter syndrome. And if you enjoyed this show and you want to stay updated on future Legally Bliss content, including when we go live right here in the conference room, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content. And of course, if you want to hang out with amazing women like the women that have been on, on the show today, make sure you check out our community at legallybliss.com. Again, ladies, thank you all so much for hanging out with me today. Um, and thank you all for watching. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Blissed. If you love listening to this episode as much as we love producing it for you, be sure to share this episode with two or three female attorneys who inspire you. And of course, be sure to find me on Instagram. Just follow Susie Hickson. That's S-U-Z-I-H-I-X-O-N. I'll see you next time.